Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. The first Tibetans came to the Pacific Northwest to work in the lumber industry in the 1960s. Decades later, in the early 1990s, a number of refugees settled here. Earlier this month, the Northwest Tibetan Community Association celebrated 30 years of Tibetan language and cultural programming. Jampa Lothsong and Dechen Bartso are both members of the association. Lothsong is a former education director of its Sunday school. Bartso is the former president. They both join us now to talk about the Tibetan community in the Northwest. Welcome to Think Out Loud. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having us. Jampa, first, when did you come to the U.S.? Uh, I came to the U.S. back in 1992, and I was part of the Tibetan U.S. Resettlement Project, where the U.S. Congress uh, government had passed a resolution, part of a bigger tax bill, which allowed a 1,000 Tibetans to come to the U.S. Where had you been living before? Uh, in India. Not uncommon for, for Tibetans yeah, at that time. Yeah, vast majority of them. Yeah. And there's some in Nepal and uh, Bhutan also. How did you end up in the Portland area? Um, <laughs> I guess destiny. Hmm. I was through uh, the Tibetan U.S. Resettlement Project basically had different cluster sites selected all around the country based on volunteers and ground-level support group. And the local community here uh, of Tibetans, uh, with the help of uh, other Western supporters here, uh, decided to host uh, 50 Tibetans here. And then the office in New York basically on paper sent 50 Tibetans here. And so the hosts had to find sponsors and uh, other helps needed for new immigrants. What do you remember about your arrival here? Uh, I think the most drastic thing for me was like the time <laughs> time zone change. Mm. You know, Other than that, I think... Uh, I was quite familiar with a lot of other things. Hollywood kind of teaches you quite a bit. <laughs> so you you knew from from American culture some of what to expect. Yes. Hmm. Dechen, what about you? When did you come to the U.S.? Uh, I came to the U.S. in 1996, and I, as Chambala mentioned, my brother was part of the 1,000 Tibetans, and he was resettled in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And um, I kind of followed him. And so uh, I went to um, uh, then uh, Albuquerque, uh, lived there, and then uh, had a friend who was living in the Bay Area. And so my brother and I moved to the Bay Area, um, lived there for a year and a half, and then came to Portland. Um, I have um, some cousins who live here and uh, they who were also part of the, uh, you know, people who came to resettle. Um, and so that's how I ended up in Portland, Oregon. How big at that time was the Tibetan community in the Northwest? Jambla, you want to take that? Uh, sure. I think prior to 92, 
probably about seven, eight families is what my understanding is. The older Tibetans that were here from the 60s and 70s. So everybody would have known everybody. I mean, if yeah, it's six or seven families. Literally, they knew each other just from family right. connections. Uh, I, th- I think even like uh, the numbers prior to 1992, I think whole of North America basically, I think, had about 500 Tibetans. Hmm. So, so, so the few have changed quite a bit over the last three decades. What about now? I mean, do you have a sense for in the Northwest the the Tibetan American community? Uh, in the Pacific Northwest, uh, that would be inclusive of you know Seattle, or even going up to Vancouver, BC. I'd probably say guesstimation wise about two thousand five hundred to about three thousand. But as, as you mentioned, as I mentioned very briefly in my intro, the, the first Tibetan arrivals here um, that were, came decades earlier um, as to, to work in logging. Dechen, what can you tell us about that history? Sure. sure. So uh, interestingly, um, uh, the, uh, the, there's a company uh, which was called uh, Great, Northern Pacific, uh, Great Northern Paper Company, uh, in Maine, uh, uh, apparently now it's you know Georgia Pacific. So uh, at that time in the early '60s, I believe um, they needed there was a huge demand for um, lumberjacks, and um, the one of their board of directors had um, you know was a professor and had you know been to travel to India and Nepal and was familiar with the you know. Uh, Tibetan refugee community in India and Nepal. And um, he kind of understood that, um, you know, Tibetans had resistant, you know, to um, uh, cold, to, you know, weather the um, conditions in Maine. And so kind of, you know, uh, with the demand uh, of the industry, they um, contacted the uh, Tibetans in, you know, India and, um, wanted to bring, um, you know, lumberjacks. And uh, so happened is then the Tibetan, I, I believe this was in the early 60s. So, you know, the now the Tibetan government in exile was just, a, you know, like a small administration still trying to bring people, you know, try to shelter people, settle them, you know, um, um, uh, get the children and the monks and the nuns and everything, everybody's settled. And in that process, you know, they were, they contacted the uh, company, Great Northern Paper Company, contacted um, the Tibetans, and then they um, were able to bring in six Tibetans. So these were the first six Tibetans who came to Maine. And then um, somehow um, uh, a, a connection here in um, uh, Pacific Northwest, a family who had, you know, the person who was studying anthropology, um, you know, knew about the Asian culture, and he was affiliated with a, a lumber company here in Oregon. And they went to visit these six people, and um, you know, spend time, spend their summer. And so they wanted to bring them to, you know, across the coast here to um, Warrington. And so that's how off the six, four um, Tibetans came here initially. And then this, you know, kind of uh, briefing this whole episode uh, at this time, they then got connected to another uh, lumber company in um, Camas, the exterior wood. And that's how, um, you know, these six people came. And then because of their um, 
um, you know, they their work exceeded the expectations of the company. And so they brought in another, you know, 21 people here. That's how, you know, the original, uh, you know, uh, Tibetans came uh, through, you know, Maine to the Pacific Northwest. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah. And then there was just like, as you know, a handful of people. And then, uh, you know, these people uh, brought in uh, families and, you know, uh, and then, you know, there was this huge gap up until 92 when, like Champala mentioned, uh, the U.S. passed this legislation and then, you know, 49 people, uh, 49 Tibetans came to resettle in the Portland uh, metro area. Of, of a thousand that came all across the country. And John Pai, as you noted, you, you, were, you were one of them. How much of a sense of nationwide community is there among those thousand people? I think the sense of uh, the Tibetanness in every Tibetan that uh, immigrates to the U.S. is pretty strong. I mean... Uh, we are all uh, very grateful for the blessings of His Holiness that has made a lot of this possible for Tibetans living in India, Nepal, and elsewhere. Uh, the diaspora is quite spread out, but I think we are one of the larger numbers in the U.S., uh, I'd say about like the third or fourth largest groups, maybe, in the top five, number-wise. You mentioned His Holiness. I remember very well when the Dalai Lama came to Portland in May of 2013, so so a little more than 10 years ago, and spoke at Memorial Coliseum, among other places. What did that mean to the Tibetan community here? I think for any Tibetan, uh, the presence of being in the same sacred space of... uh, the city of Portland with his oldness is an immense blessing. And uh, for us as Tibetans living here, we had the great fortune of uh, inviting his oldness back in 2001. And then 2013, when Maitripa College invited uh, his oldness, we were doubly blessed because of his presence here. Uh, and uh, for every Tibetan, I think, uh, it's blessing in one aspect, but it's also an opportunity to work on the guidelines and principles that His Holiness uh, teaches others. And uh, it's a high code of ethics that <laughs> one has to try to follow. But I think most Tibetans try their best in working towards it. Hmm. Dechen, is there an image that most stays with you from that visit? Oh, yes. Yes. The um, visit, um, uh, the public talk that he uh, gave at the Pioneer um, uh, Courthouse, uh, Pioneer Square. And, uh, you know, there was uh, the the whole courtyard was filled and people were uh, even up on the the, the pillars, um, uh, you know, uh, at the court, uh, at the square. And um, not, not just that, it's, I think, um as Dalai Lama has brought the Tibetan issue uh, to a global stage where, you know, there was in the early 60s when, you know, there was a time where um, uh, the, the Tibetan issue was dying. I mean, he came as a refugee to India and, um you know the the Tibetan issue would have easily kind of quietly just died down, and here we are in um, you know getting global support for 
the uh, Tibetan issue, uh, you know, specifically, you know, human rights and, you know, um, um, all, you know, the basically he gave Tibetans uh, a global stage and um, a, a platform where now we're able to kind of um, have or um, push for, a, you know, genuine dialogue with the uh, communist uh, Chinese party. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about the Tibetan community in the Northwest. Earlier this month, the Northwest Tibetan Community Association celebrated its 30th anniversary. Dechen Bartso is a former president of the association. Jampa Latsong is a former education director of the association's Sunday school. Let's turn to this anniversary. Jampa, what was it like, the celebration earlier this month? Uh, it was a great gathering, uh, reminiscent of uh, 30 years of uh, uh, the making of NWTCA, the community, um, its inception back in 1993, a uh, group of barely, I'd say maybe one number is about 75 to 90 people, but at the moment we're close to 1,000 plus, I'd say. Numbers are, you know, the stats are a little harder because there's always that income and outgoing both. But we are believed to be close to over a thousand. And uh, the celebration brought about uh, people who initially were part of the resettlement project, people who had served as previous board of directors, presidents, all of them were honored and, uh, you know, it, it helped bring a lot of uh, revived community spirit of energizing um, the community also. Um, but I think it was a joyous event, recognizing that we have, as a group, survived 30 years. Sometimes it's hard, but uh, with our similar goals and aspirations, we thrive on and uh, do our best as, as individuals uh, to draw awareness to what's going on in Tibet, but also sustain our culture and our way of life. How how do you, uh, Dechen? I'd love to hear from both of you on this, but 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 Dechen first. How do you preserve culture, as Jampa just said, in exile? Um, Dave, that's a great question. Um, you know, since we have kind of, uh, you know, I mean, our generation, we were born in. Most of us are born in India, um, and then you know, kind of coming to a different country. So generally, um, the most important one I'd say is the language. The language preservation is key um, because, you know, uh, Tibetan culture is really based on uh, Buddhist principles of, uh, you know, uh, peace and um, uh, compassion. And so the um, so all the uh, principles of the um um, of the culture of the you know uh, of Tibetan Buddhism are preserved in our um, teachings, um, the ancient teachings, and the teachings are all in Tibetan. And so, um, so for instance, not just the you know the the literary uh, 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 text, but also just in terms of having a, a grandma communicate to uh, their grandchildren. If there if the language is not preserved then there's a huge sense of loss. Um, uh, the, 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 the stories back in Tibet are lost. The, the, the sense of, um, you know, 
being um, uh, being a compassionate human being and being um, you know understanding the um, the bigger world, all of that is lost, and so that is a great challenge. Um, well, is it a is it a given that that Tibetan American kids today, a ten year old, a six year old, a fifteen year old, um, that they will have already learned or or that they will be learning Tibetan? Is that a given? That that is that is the question, Dave. Uh, for those children who are born here, the uh, Tibetan Americans, um, it's very difficult difficult for them to um, learn um, Tibetan unless and until that. That's why the whole focus of the Northwest Tibetan Cultural Association coming together, forming a um, an organization, having a cultural you know a center, is to provide this you know cultural and spiritual home for everybody, including this ch- these children who are able to now at the cultural center have Sunday schools. They're able to learn the language. They're able to um, you know learn uh, traditional instruments, sing, dance. So basically understand and have a sense of, you know, who they are, where, you know, where their roots are from. And, you know, irrespective of whether they want to, you know, go along with that or not, but just the sense of having that, um, you know, cultural identity uh, is what um, the association really uh, strives. And, uh, you know, for them to, you know, have these, have those, and we always, you know, kind of uh, refer to them as, you know, toolkits for our life, you know, um, the, you know, tool, the tools that you have, uh, you know, being open and compassionate and, um, um, you know, uh, so, so this, you know, understanding of self. And these are all uh, great methods, especially for young people who are having, uh, you know, challenges in these times. Champa, what did it mean to you to be the education director of the Sunday School? Uh, what it meant to me. Uh, I think for... Me, as a board of director of the community for many past years, uh, that interim that I was earlier with my kids, I I have three children and a wonderful wife uh, who all have helped in nurturing, you know, part of the Sunday school program as well as being students in there. And for me, initially, it's always like, you know, you want your kids to do well in the program and make the program well. So I think that drive to do it, but also from my own personal ends, I studied in a school in India earlier on in my life where Tibetan language was not available as a medium. Uh, It was an English medium program. So I was quite deprived uh, in the Tibetan language aspect of it. I didn't want my children to go through that same thing. So I put an extra ounce of effort in making the education program as much my priorities. Um, so it has been a blissful experience. Uh, the programs that we have now are accumulative of many board of directors who have worked way back from, I would say, I think we started more on this effort probably around 96. We did some uh, summer programs in PSU, and then gradually it, it was trying to move to make it better. And then we had His Holiness visit in 2001, which was, as Dejana mentioned, a memorial 
event, especially the one at Pioneer Square. I think in 2013 they wanted to try to do that and replicate that, but I think the State Department wouldn't allow it because of the <laughs> openness of space and, you know, all the other restrictions that we've had over the years. But as an education director, I think uh, it gives me great joy to see the program thriving and getting better day by day and uh, helping, you know, the children that need that extra ounce of support, that community gathering spot. Uh, but, you know, being able to study their language, a little bit of their culture and music, dance, um, and having teachers who are dedicated and being able to pass on to the new generation. Um, sometimes as new immigrants in any country, I think, especially here in the U.S., I think uh, it is hard. You know, we have, uh, we have many other things that we have to do apart from just doing that, which we put as a priority, but then you have your day-to-day -day living, your mortgage, your housing bills, and you have to work towards those also. So it's kind of juggling the two. And for me as a parent, I think that's a better example rather than just the community also, is, you know, I wanted my kids to be bilingual, quite fluent. And it's very hard, I think. You know, the Sunday school program is two to three hours program. I mean, you can't do that much in a week, you know. It, it has to be embedded falls, in daily life. Yeah, it, it falls a lot on the parents to make a sincere effort um, in communicating with their children in Tibetan. And so I think we educate that also with the parents. You know, we have to make an effort more than just only the teachers at the program. So, um, so it's a teamwork of parental, community leadership, of uh, people spending their time and dedication to educate them. Because not all parents are literate in Tibetan. And so, you know, we need ones that can educate them. And that's always been, you know, an ongoing effort. We're getting better at with, with time. Dechen Bartso. And, oh, Jampa, please, uh, last word. And n Dave, I just wanted to just add to what Champala mentioned is also that, um, you know, the children, yes, uh, you know, we've been very fortunate to be in America and, you know, uh, have the education, um, the, uh, the children have the education, but also uh, a stress that, not, you know, that the academics are not the only thing, you know, that the kids learn, but they do understand more wholly uh, as a human being. So there is an also a considered effort towards um, what his is kind of um, uh, uh, started called the C-learning, which is uh, social and emotional learning. Besides the academics, you know, young children, um, you know, uh, say Montessori, are kind of introduced more of, um, you know, social responsibility, emotional, you know, context, given more of that in addition to, you know, what they need to uh, you know, um, get for, for their future, you know, for their jobs and whatnot. Tietjen Bartso <laughs> and Jampa Lathsong, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. For having us. Jampa Lathsong is the former education director for the Sunday School that is a part of the Northwest Tibetan Cultural Association. Tietjen Bartso is a former president of the association.